0: Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here, and I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by Opportunity International. Opportunity International is a global nonprofit working to end extreme poverty by empowering people with an opportunity. They provide small loans and training so individuals can grow their businesses, send their kids to school, and work their way out of poverty once and for all. So go to Opportunity.org to create an opportunity for someone to change their life forever. This is one of the... Multiple charities that we sponsor here at 40 Strategy. And I encourage you, they do wonderful things and do microloans uh, across the world. And so I encourage you to take a look at that to learn more. Before we talk about our guest, uh, Judy Weber, we'd like to do a shout out to Jessica Yarbrough. Jessica is, uh, she develops personal business growth strategies made simple for consultants, coaches, and small businesses so they can make a greater difference. You can learn more at jessicayarbro.com And thank you, Jessica, for introducing us to Judy Weber. Uh, Judy is a women's business strategist and scaling expert and founder of Judy Weber Company, a boutique consultancy for women in business. She helps faith-fueled six-figure female CEOs scale their business to multi six and seven figures with joy and simplicity using the uh, the proven joyful scaling method. A former corporate and trial attorney, as well as a C-suite executive, Judy is a genius at showing entrepreneurs how to up-level their mindset, step fully into their CEO role, and strategically transform their current businesses in a freedom-based legacy business without compromising, compromising their values. She is a sought-after keynote speaker, teaching and inspiring women across the world to pursue the impossible, knowing that God is able to make your biggest dreams a reality. She also has her uh, education in the bachelor's in music. Okay, well, we'll see if we get this right. Susquehanna. That was pretty good. Yeah, pretty okay. Now so say it the right way again.
1: Susquehanna.
0: Okay, see, so, yeah, I <laughs> knew I was gonna be close, but not close enough. Um, and she also has her JD from Villanova University, the Charles Woodger School of Law. And Judy, it is a pleasure to have you on the Measure Success Podcast today.
1: I'm so excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this for a while.
0: So Judy, for, for our audience, um, please tell people more about your business and what you do.
1: Sure. Well, you know, my business is pretty unique in that I don't call myself a coaching business, even though many people look at me as a coach. But because of my background, I'm a high high level thinker as an attorney and, you know, in the C-suite. So I like to do things at a different level. And I was never one to stick with convention. I always wanted to be different and do different. So I just love working with other high achieving women of faith who love Jesus, who are looking to take their business to incredible uh, levels with huge impact. And so the big, big thing, and that's why I really relate to you, Carl, is strategy, 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 strategy. Uh, And here's my thing on that when you have strategy, in your business. Okay. That's an exciting roadmap to your dream. So it's like, where do you want to go? What do you want to achieve? And it takes the guesswork out. It eliminates the doing all the things and the running on the hamster wheel that too many women are doing. And all that leaves you with joy. So joyful scaling.
0: <laughs> love it. I love it. And, and, and so, and I love how you're focused on, uh, you know, you know, if you may, you have a wonderful niche, Uh, you know, you're very focused on women, you're focused on faith-based, you know, people who that that is important to them and then the way how they draw business. So I got to imagine as a result result of that, you have, you kind of eliminate the barriers and a couple of things that you're you're resonating with people right up front with some of your clients. Is that fair to say?
1: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And, And if I could just say, that is one thing that I encourage my clients to do. And that is, not necessarily niche down, like that's just so overused. But the point is your brand has to stand out. You know, we always hear about brand awareness. And I was just telling my clients this morning in our group session, I said, you know what, ladies, before you're worried about the getting out there and being visible, you got to make sure your brand is worthy of being discovered or further explored by your ideal client. So I'm all about like, Dig down deep, ladies, no time for, you know, holding back and saying, oh, I don't want to be braggy. It's what makes you unique. What is your experience, your education, your just unique zone of genius that God gave you and, um, you know, put it out there in the world without apology.
0: So that's a fascinating topic right there. Just, just that, that alone, you said, because there's this belief or, or sensation often, right. With that, we should be there's that being humble, right? And, and not bragging about what we have and being grateful that, you know, we, if you may, we weren't worthy of what we've earned, weren't worthy of what we had, but now, you know, we have this gift. How do you get people from feeling, getting over that sense of, I have to be quiet. I, I shouldn't be talking about what's taking place to having the discernment that it is appropriate to communicate about the value that we bring?
1: I can't tell you how much I love that question. Okay, so here's the thing. A lot of Christian women, and I'm just going to say women because I work exclusively with women. A lot of Christian women were raised in the church as I was. And it was kind of like, okay, um, be quiet. Women's place is you know, quiet or uh, you have to be humble and you don't want to be arrogant. And I agree, I never want to be arrogant. But here's the thing. If God uniquely gifted you with, in my case, ambition and a big mouth, let's be honest. (laughs) And I love to be the center of attention. I was the youngest of six and I just love being on stage or whatever. But if God gave you all these different, unique personality quirks and gifts and talents, it's for a purpose and it is to serve others. And so when we kind of put our lamp under a bushel, so to speak, then it's not only a disservice to us and not fulfilling our life's purpose but we're really doing a, a negative service to those that God would have had us to help so that's how i you know kind of reframe that idea look we don't want to be arrogant and we always want to be thankful but where god gives much much is to be expected you know my mommy said did i say that right where much is given much is expected and so if he has blessed you with certain experiences and education and all this, then who are we to not share that with the rest of the world?
0: Yeah. And I love that example. You talk about the light, right? You know, if nobody can hear you, the light is never to be shined. You cannot express the great, whatever gifts you have, you cannot share it with the rest of the world. And wow. and I know for some things that I'm doing, it's still uncomfortable. Like, oh, you're so comfortable doing these things. I'm not. You know, there, there's a lot of these things of that, there is a discomfort that I have behind it, but for me, it's more important to share the good news of how people can accomplish goals that they wouldn't have been able to do beforehand. Mm -hmm. So if that little part of my own uncomfortableness can help somebody else to get to their goals, you know, I've succeeded and, and it's worth, you know, putting, putting ourselves out there to do something new and unique. And, and, and so that's, I think the mentality change we have to have is if we aren't, sharing and doing and providing uh that courage right some somebody else won't have that courage as well and of course if we look you know once again we'll go to the historical bible right every single person out of there other than jesus was a complete mess
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's for sure can i can i elaborate on that i have something right here above my desk and it says have the courage to believe you can succeed and so that leads into um one of the primary tenets that I teach my clients, which is it's not about becoming a different person per se, and it's not even necessarily like becoming a better you. What I look at it is God made you to be this extraordinary, bold, courageous person. It's just that the dings and the hurts and the traumas of life sometimes, you know, a lot of times tend to keep us thinking small and feeling small but when we fully embrace who it is that christ made us to be that is when we discover oh my goodness i can do this i didn't think i could but i can that kind of thing so that's where you get the courage from it and also it's not about self-confidence and then i'll be quiet i just have to say this no confidence no. self-confidence i i don't like that okay because as a christian self is the root of all sin okay so think about it. When you lie, why do you lie? Because you want to protect yourself. Ooh, ooh that's a sin. I, I swear. Why do I swear? I don't know. I guess I'm angry, and it makes me feel better for the moment, or whatever. But but so for me, I tell my clients, look, if I rely on me, they say, Judy, you look so confident. It's not about me. It is who did the Lord God make me to be? He made me to be confident, and so if I just surrender me and everything I am and everything I have to Him, and I allow me to fully step into that woman that he made me to be, that's where I get my confidence from.
0: I think that's great. A great explanation of that. And, and how many times we've got other stories of it. It's through, if you may, at the end of the day, it's through faith of having confidence, right. That you can, um, I think there's the story going a, a bit off here, but you know, of of the the footsteps, you probably heard that, you know, parable, there was, there was yeah. two footsteps, you know, two, and then there was just one. It was like, well, where were you? And I was like, well, you're, I was here carrying me on your shoulders at <laughs> that period of time, right? You know, that's and, and, and I, I think that's part of, of what we need to understand often is is trying to have that confidence in being humble, right? That that there are times that we need, do need to um, trust, right? That it's going to work and it's going to make a difference because there's so many different unique people in the world. You know, one of the things I love with doing StrengthsFinder and coaching is, is um, what about one in every 2 million people have the same top five. You know strategies. I mean, like in in order, it's people are truly unique, right? And and what they provide and do, and and then understanding that even people are going to hear us differently. You know, you might be talking to somebody; they'll hear you clearly. I talk to them; they can't hear me at all. And and so it's important for even if we were saying the exact same message, both of us have to speak, right? Because it's it's just the different instruments that that we're being provided to provide that difference. And and so so. even though I usually talk about this later, you have such an interesting upbringing, you know, growing up, you said youngest of six, you grew up in Philly, which is not a soft town for those who are familiar with Philly. Okay. And, and you went to law. Um, So tell me about what those things about your life created some of your character, right. And your toughness that uh, you had to develop to become an attorney in, in the city.
1: Yeah. Well, to be fair, I, I was raised in a suburb of a suburb of a suburb of Philly. So I wasn't downtown. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, actually, actually, we were raised in a town called Boyertown in Pennsylvania, which is very small uh, country kind of town. But uh, I was blessed to be raised by a strong mom. Now, it's interesting in that she was strong, but she wasn't confident. Okay. She it's unfortunate. She was raped at the age of 10 by her uncle. And she never really recovered from that. I mean, that trauma just kept her low uh all her life. But what I found amazing was that she poured into me. And she would always build me up. Judy, you can do anything. You can be anything. As long as I can remember, she said, Judy, there's two types of people: leaders and followers. I want you to be a leader. You'd be great at it. And so it's just like self-fulfilling prophecy. Okay, mommy says I can do anything, daddy says I can do anything. And, um, you know, but we're dirt poor. I mean, when I tell you that when I was little, I had two dreams. I either wanted to be a teacher or I wanted to be a lawyer. And I love those movies. When I saw these ladies in these little glass offices in Manhattan and their heels and their fancy suits. And, you know, they're really getting things done in corporate. And I really wanted, I saw myself as that, even though where I came from, I mean, People like me don't go to law school. People like me don't go to college, you know? So, but I always had this thing ever since I was little, I'm going to college. And sometimes my parents would say, Judy, I don't know how we can afford it. I said, don't worry, I'm going, you know, don't worry. So, so went to college, um, couldn't get a job. I graduated third in the entire class in music education. Couldn't get a teaching job unless I went out West and I'm an East coast girl, had no interest in wanting to go out West. So I said, okay, now what am I going to do? So I worked at Macy's, commission based, uh, and in six months got promoted to management. Then I got a little bit high on the horse and said, oh, I'm going to outside sales. And that put me in front of lawyers. I worked for Dictaphone, right? So those little recording devices and whatnot. So one Friday night, my last appointment of the day, I was 25 years old. I remember this like it was yesterday. I walked out of this appointment to my car. I'm mumbling to myself, that guy was an idiot. If he could make it as a lawyer, so could I, I'm going. I don't know how I'm going to pay for it, but I'm going. Well, I can tell you that when I came home and told my parents I'm going, it was a mixed reaction with mom and dad. Mom was, Judy, you're getting a little old. I think you should be looking for your man. You know, why do you want to go into six-figure debt? You're smart and all, but, right? My mom or my dad rather, when my mom said that, my daddy was so sweet. He was excellent too. I I was blessed to have really great parents. And he kind of waved me into an extra room and he goes, Judy, don't listen to mom. She means well. She doesn't know. I I want you to do what you want to do. Don't worry about how it's going to how much it's going to cost. Don't worry about it. We can't pay for it. You know that. But if that's what you want to do, you go for it. And so that's why that that hashtag, the the mantra of pursue the impossible, I feel like when I look back that's all I did pursue the impossible, you know, graduated the top of the class, the top 10 at Villanova got a great job in a major Philadelphia law firm and uh, you know, various other things in my career that brought me to entrepreneurship and then into the C-suite ultimately just, it was an amazing ride and it was not without its bumps, but that's kind of an overview (laughs) from there to now.
0: And, and so uh, I love that. And, and, once again, how I, I and I once again I don't I don't think I recall you talking about the challenge of getting in in the first place. Where financially it wasn't even it didn't probably it didn't appear viable, right to go in. Absolutely but not. You, but you went in. You you said I'm going to figure out a way. You accomplish it. Got to a big firm, which ultimately I'm assuming helped you to pay off those. You know, however, however you ended up getting in, and, and getting through their process. So you went to there now here you go you've gone through this career right and and now let's talk about strategy a bit and some of the strategies that you talk about with with your clients sure. Tell us about the core things that you talk about with your clients you know your methodology what what is that methodology and and why is it why does it consistently work?
1: okay, the joyful scaling methodology I'll get to that in a moment, but I really want to address head on this issue of strategy if we can okay. yes so. What I find is that women tend to overemphasize the importance of a tactic, like posting on social media, for example, and they grossly underestimate the uh, strategy that's behind the tactic, what I call the why, the what, and the how. Like, why am I doing this? What is the purpose? What am I hoping to achieve? And how can I best utilize this tactic to achieve my end goal? So what I find is that They don't even think in terms of strategy. Too many women are distracted. It's that, you know, glistening ball syndrome. I forget what what the word is, but they're constantly like losing focus. And you know why? We're multitaskers. We're so good at doing so many things, but we've got to focus. So there's three key strategies that every business needs to scale to do so sustainably and predictably. They need a marketing strategy they need a sales strategy, and they need an operational strategy. And I can tell you, Carl, that last strategy is not even on the radar. It's like the last thing anybody thinks about.
0: No, I, well, it's, it's super interesting you're talking about that. Uh, exactly. So I'm dealing with the client right now where, where um, we figured out who to sell to. Sales are killing it. And then, then this next part happened, right, which is operations. And, and once again, you can, you can have the greatest dream and greatest sales program, but if you can't get it done, if you can't ship your product, whatever that is, you know, you can't find Once again, when I say ship your product, all the different things you have to do to scale and to grow that, um, people go out of business with sales exploding, right? You know, you can have an extraordinarily accessible. So, so let's, let's it's interesting because a lot of people think operations is, is tactical. I mean it's', it's, it's tactical, but it's, it should be very strategic,
1: yeah right how we do things. Yes, sir. And there are five there are many, not even five. there there are many key business metrics mm-hmm. that you need to track to measure your performance in the way of marketing and sales and ultimately operations and bringing it all together to have this great business that you can scale. You know, the obvious ones, like lead tracking. Where are the leads coming from, from your website or from social? If, if social, what platform? How about from your podcast? I mean, are we, are we really analyzing the numbers? Most don't. When I say, what numbers are you tracking? I'm seeing deer in headlights, right? So there's, there's that. Then there's the customer acquisition cost. You know, how much does it cost to acquire a client? Ooh, most people that I work with initially, when they're at that six figure and they're wanting to go more and they're like, wait a minute, ooh, how do I figure that out? Yikes, we better get there, right? Then numbers like client engagement, client results, client satisfaction, because we need to look at client retention and overall lifetime value of this client. And then, of course, sales revenue and conversions and profit margins, you know. But the numbers, if they, if they don't have strategy that takes those numbers, that data, and allows you to plug it in and really tweak what you're doing to impact those numbers. You know, again, it's like, hello, I'm on the hamster wheel. I'm working hard and nothing seems to be coming together.
0: You know, it was interesting. One of the things you you mentioned earlier about, I think you mentioned, oh, one of my tactics, right. That they see in a strategy. Somebody, one of your clients might see in a strategy is oh, I'm posting something on Instagram, Facebook. Actually, you can't today because it happens to be down. Um, this is, by the way, recorded October fourth, which is kind of fascinating. I feel bad for everybody. This is your core business and only one platform. But anyway, side note. Um, but but ultimately, um, there's this problem of where we're measuring things that don't really matter. Uh, you might have heard the term vanity metrics, right? Measuring the amount of likes is is not necessarily mean anything right? Um, Especially on a platform like LinkedIn, which is obviously different than some, some of the other traditional things that are out there in terms of social selling networks. But, you know, you can have, all you need is the right amount of likes or engagement from somebody who's ultimately wants to come to you because they see the value in what you're doing. You know, you don't need 10,000 people to respond anything. You just need a few people to come to you as a result, right? Of, of something's happening. So how do you, how do you, um, Help people to see impact versus uh, glitter.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll start here. I have seen, and some of these are major influencers that you would think because of the number of followers and such that they are making tons of money when really they're not. And likewise, I've seen people that you might look at their page or wherever they are and you say, wow, there's not a whole lot of engagement. I feel bad for them. Don't worry, because I know that they're making tons of money. So uh, that kind of segues into something I really wanted to chat about, which is I said earlier, I don't like convention, right? Like I, the conventional coaching that's going on out there in the way of scaling is you're going to have this value ladder. You're going to have a $47 ebook and then a $97 mini course and a 997 course and maybe a $5,000 group program and a $20,000 mastermind. That's the typical value ladder. I don't want that, me personally. And so maybe some of my clients will think that's cool. And that's fine. We can work with that. But to me, give me simplicity, Carl. I'm 55, almost 56. I don't want to manage all of that. You know, I want to do business in a sophisticated, elegant way which may sound funny, but take me, for example, I have niched to work only with high-level thinkers. So who's my ideal client? Professionals, doctors, lawyers, architects, accountants, highly educated business owners, and corporate executives, experienced leaders who decide to take their decades of experience and expertise and then become the CEO. So my business model is high ticket, high value, high performance. So I'm intentionally created, as you said in the introduction, a legacy business. It's a high-end consulting business where this is not, you know, you're coming to me and dealing with team members that I pass you off to. That that that, that bait and switch is so over. It makes me crazy. So for me, a consulting business, I look at it as kind of a one-on-one in a group setting where I know my client's business intimately. I know them. I know their goals. I'm blessed to have a great memory as a lawyer. I used to have this, this mind was full of facts every time I went to trial. So, you know, I have intentionally created a very elegant and sophisticated business. And I work with those that I want to work with. And it's without apology. And it's that mindset and approach to business strategically that, again, that's what I'm known for.
0: And and, and that's, and that's a great, once again, I appreciate you comparing that. and and. I think that, that analogy of, of once again, of what again people, you know, where there's this, um, perception, right. That, oh, wow, they've got it all together. They're doing everything great. And, and they're not paying the bills, um, you know, like literally they're not paying the bills while somebody else is adding extraordinary value to their clients, um, and really making a real difference behind them. And that's what really matters. I mean, um, you know, from my perspective, referral clients are, are number one, you know, if, if you're adding enough value and and people want to, or they're coming and reaching out to you because they see the value that you're providing, there's nothing better than that. And actually that goes for all business, right? Anytime you have word of mouth and you've gained it enough, that's, that's worth far more than any likes you'll get on anywhere where somebody's when they're asking somebody, right? How many, this still happens today, even in 2021, right? People ask, who do you trust to be your lawyer, your accountant, your right name, right through it. People you trust will have two or three people, one to three people that they trust and they will recommend to you based on your situation.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's funny that you mentioned relationships because uh, we had talked about success metrics, you know, and what you had mentioned, you know, Judy, what do you think is number one? I, I, I have a tide for first. One is faith faith in your life's purpose. We talked about that a little bit, faith in what you're called to faith in God's promises that where he calls you he's going to equip you. Okay. So faith, but equally a laser focus and almost like an obsession, a healthy obsession to your ideal client because business is founded on relationships and women, of course, we're naturally relational. God made us this way. We're innately great at connecting. We're empathetic. We're compassionate. We really care about people. And that is what creates that all-important trust. People buy because they trust. And for anybody listening that's saying, oh, I can't, you know, I'm not doing really well on my sales calls and they're saying, I like you, but what you're missing more than likely is they don't trust you. Mm -hmm. And that's not a judgment, but it is, um, I'm, I'm offering that for something for you to take a look at and say, hmm, how could what I'm doing help me be established as that authority and look, you know, put my credibility out there so that they see that I do know what I'm talking about and that I am trustworthy.
0: So let, let's say you're talking with, um, and I know you, you mentioned, you know, some of your scope and the, and the people you're working with, once again, successful professionals, women who have faith, right. in some certain area behind that, but and they're just kind of starting out, right? And they're just kind of starting out this journey or mission to start adding value. And and they're in this really interesting, I don't know how many times you've seen this. I've seen it a lot. They're just getting ready to reach the corner of success so they can truly be on their own. But they have this job offer that's sitting there, right? Especially in this tight labor market. Um, you'll get paid XYZ money. Just come, come to us you know, and, and, and work for work for me and and we'll take care of you. You don't have to worry about marketing, selling, right. Doing all the stuff, the hard stuff, right. To get clients. What insights do you get to that type of person, right. Who, who they're stuck, right. in this quandary and they're, and they're scared of this marketing selling side, but they can add real value. I mean, they truly are talented, right. The, the individuals are talented, but they want to, If you may take the easy route, but let go of their dreams. How do you, how do you work? How do you help people out in those situations, right? Where they, they, they want to give up. If you may the entrepreneurial dream.
1: Yep. Yep. That's not my area of, um, I, I have helped women in the past with that, but now I'm past that, but here's how I used to help them. Okay. First of all, because they're women of faith, go to God, Lord, sometimes I've got to say goodbye to good so that I can say hello to better. You're better. Right. God's best. So to me, there's a lot of soul searching that has to go on. And, you know, when we are on the precipice of something amazing and it is especially um, spirit led and what God calls us to, the enemy is going to throw darts at us. He's going to put doubts in our brain. Maybe he even created this opportunity that is almost too good, you know, to say no to. So that's where you really have to go to God. That's where also the first indicator that I said, the metric of faith. I will say this. I have talked to so many women, women who I've worked with in my past in corporate. I mean, I'm talking about super skilled women in their 40s and 50s and some in their 60s. So they have done a lot in their life, in their career. And so many are are so scared of entrepreneurship. I actually have been amazed the more I explore this. Okay. Because like I say, I, I approach them after they've already gone and, you know, may have had a side hustle, but now, you know, they're, they're well on their way. So to any woman out there that kind of has that burning in their heart. And it's been there a while. Cause I know when I look back, I've had mine all my life, you know, you have to say who put it there. God put it there. Maybe that's your purpose. Maybe you need to explore that. And believe me, if you have made it, to middle, especially senior management and corporate, you can do this. But then you know this entrepreneurial thing, but it comes down to what do I really want? And when I ask my clients that question, even now, when they're making three, four hundred thousand and they're looking into their future and I'm saying, what is your vision? Sometimes that's the hardest question to answer. What do I really want? What do I feel called to be doing in the rest of my life? It's such an important question.
0: That's, that's, uh, once again, kind of that, that Simon Sinek start with why, right? You know, and, and applying it to our own selves, not just the business where I think a lot of times where he's reaching out to, but only in our our own selves and our own business that we may have. And that hopefully is the right direction. The, the, once again, the right compass, right. To, to head, head there somewhere, somewhere else. So you've dabbled it, but asking more directly. So how do you measure success with your clients? or your business? You know, I could ask it both. How do you measure success in your business and how do you measure success with your clients?
1: Yeah. Okay. So for me in my business, again, I am not the type of coach quote unquote, or what I like to say a business development type consultant. I don't measure my success by volume of clients. Like I never want to have 500 clients in a group program. Like I'm, Believe me, I, I'm approaching that million dollar mark, but it's not going to be because I have hundreds of clients that when we come together for our weekly call, they have got to kind of elbow each other out to be able to ask a question. That's not the way I want to do business. So for me, I measure my success by the success of my clients. How is this select you know, couple of dozen clients how are they growing as entrepreneurs? And a lot of that is not just the numbers, although obviously that's a part of it, but their mindset. Are they really stepping into their CEO role? Are they fully embracing that they don't have to do the admin stuff? You know, Are they really stepping away so that they're not that overworked employee, but rather they're this empowered CEO? So those are some of the things that I look at. You know, Basically, my client's success is my success.
0: That's awesome. All right. So you are obviously a very active, focused person. <laughs> you know? I love it. So um, <laughs> how do you keep yourself going on a regular basis? You know, how are you keeping your drive? How do you, you know, what, what are the type of things that you're doing on a regular basis so you can um, accomplish your goals?
1: Okay. Well, <clears throat> I will start here as I mentioned, I'm 55. I have always, all my life, people have called me the energizer bunny. I mean, always. When I was in my twenties, working at Macy's, I would work 40, 50 hours a week. And I went out clubbing, dancing. I love dancing four or five nights a week. Like I'm high energy, but now that I'm 55, you know, the energy's, it's still pretty high. I'd say definitely more than average, but it's, it's waning. So now at this phase of my life, now that I'm an empty nester, I am now being more intentional about eating better and exercising. That's so important. One thing, two things I'm not really great at drinking enough water and sleeping enough. Like, does anybody else think it's kind of a waste of time to sleep? Like, I know that's not true, but yet last night when I'm like, okay, it's 1230, I'm getting up at 530. I got to go to bed. you Yeah. Know? So <laughs> So I am not the best person to ask in that way. I think that my energy is despite what I'm doing, not because of it, but I'm kind of hitting that wall where God's saying, Hey Jude, uh, you know, wake up to reality.
0: (laughs) No, that's fair. I mean, it's, it's very fair. Do you have a particular, is there something in particular that you're trying to, um, focus on in the next six months? of of getting better with is, is do you have some goal or target you're trying to attain for i mean you mentioned the drinking part drinking water i think you mentioned there right and, and yep. sleeping do you have a particular goal of that or something else that you're trying to do um
1: you know my husband and i we moved here from philly i'm in charleston area now many months ago we have a ymca membership and we hardly ever go so i've got to got to got to go there at least three days a week um I really do want to try to get at least six hours of sleep every day. And I want to be more intentional about just getting outside. Like I love what I do so much. And I'm such a a thinker and a strategic planner that if I'm in the zone, like I could keep going all day. I'm very focused. Discipline is not my problem. So for me, and actually for my kids, it's interesting. All of my kids, God bless them. They're a lot like me, like, most people like they know how to rest. We don't know how to rest. We just know how to go, go, go. So, <laughs> Lord help us to figure that out.
0: <laughs> so, no, um, and I appreciate the the. Um, well, there's one good thing: when the, the going is just being. Not everybody is, you're right, running running a 10k every morning, and and you know has exact diet, and they're you know all of the different things are going on. There. So, I appreciate you saying this is what I have, and this is what I need to work on. I think that's awesome and also just acknowledging look you just you're born with a ton of energy right you know and you're and you're just you're you're ready to go um and and are you know on a regular basis how do you and by the way my apologies to if there's any life um those coaches like help out online like to want to get you on a program if you end up getting 50 calls my sincere apologies judy okay. <laughs> <laughs> you get a bunch of likes on LinkedIn for people who say you can get six-pack abs in six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies, yeah.
1: save, um, your, save your stuff there, ladies, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but,
0: but how do you measure success in your personal
1: life? Wow, that is so interesting that you said that. Now you know where I'm going with it. Jesus I know, of
0: course. Ab- but, Jesus but, but, is
1: my everything. So if anybody, you're, you're about to say it's the
0: six-pack abs that you wake up each morning mm-hmm. with. And looking down saying, this makes me happy. Just kidding.
1: Just kidding. (laughs) No, you know what? I, and this is like branding 101. We need to stand for something. So let me just say this the clients that I work for, they are not all this out with their faith, right? Your business, if you're a Christian, the right thing isn't always having Jesus out there, outwardly facing as your brand. But he is to me because it's just, I I can't take the Jesus out of me. It's who I am. You know, he is me. I'm in him. Right. So, so for me, it's, it's always Lord, you know, my goal ultimately is to be close to you. My goal is to be spirit led. And it is such a neat thing, Carl, when I'm in that zone, for example, when I'm on stage speaking or when I'm with a client one on one or in a group situation, and I can just feel that. There, that he's there, that Christ is there helping, and I'll give you a quick example. When I was a lawyer, my best day in court. Oh my gosh, I wished I could have had it on on video. So I'm not going to bore you with the details, but I was arguing a very important motion for my boss. She was had sanctions against her. It was a cockamamie baloney. Philadelphia is a very corrupt place to practice. I will say that I I know for a fact. So if anybody has a problem, sorry, but I know for a fact. But so, so I was arguing this very important motion for my boss. And uh, quick war story: so I'm there. I'm a young attorney, and this guy walks in. This Yale law school grad. He saunters in. He sees me there, and he goes, he, he just taunts me. Oh, Judy, if I'd have known you were going to argue the other side of the motion, I would have practiced more. Okay, so the small town blue collar girl here. I just wanted to shoot some expletives, but I refrained and I just looked up and I would go, yeah, maybe you should have. I tore him apart because what it was, was, oh gosh, I wish I could tell you all the details. There were so many facets to the argument that I was making in this motion. And I said to God, if he says this one phrase, and I forget what the heck it was. If he says this one phrase, then I'm going all in for this whole thing that I prepared. I, I really feel like he's like, okay, this is where you want to go. So we went back and forth, back and forth. And he said the phrase, oh, my gosh. As soon as he said it, I start taking away all the papers I didn't need and pulling out of my briefcase the things I did need. And I was throwing things. I mean, I was throwing. Oh, the whole thing was they were they were bad mouthing my boss. And I'm like, oh, and this blog says this about her. And this blog says that about I was very dramatic. But the point was the judge left the, the court like in tears. Um, when uh, nobody talked to me when they left, like everybody just like left me alone, like, like, because they knew that I just like totally destroyed the other side. And the judge, I kind of, you know, ripped her, you know, a new one. Anyway, respectfully, as respectfully as you can, I'm telling you the spirit was there. So I'm almost done with the story. The bailiff was there and I didn't want to leave the courtroom. It was my best day in court. And so the bailiff was there when everybody left. He said, counselor, I never heard anything like that. And I said, well, you know what? There's a sign up there that says judge blah, blah, blah is in charge, but it's the Lord Jesus Christ in charge. And he was here. That was him speaking through me. And he goes, you're a believer. I said, yes, are you, sir? He said, yes, I am. I said, we're going to have a fun time in heaven, aren't we? And it was just, it was just a beautiful time of the spirit leading my words and my actions. And that is when, you know, when you know you're doing something right.
0: Right. Yeah. No. You're you're in your zone, and and doing exactly what you should be doing, and that and that's how you're measuring your success in your personal life is when you're walking and you know that you're doing the right thing that you've been called to do. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's an awesome measurement. And um, it, you know, I think the measurement of that is once again you must feel that you are doing the right thing, like literally, and you're so in tune with it, you know, when you're doing the right and the wrong. You know, if that kind of makes sense behind that, and so um that that's that's awesome i think it's a great testimony um behind there which of course then leads us to our favorite book and we talked about this beforehand you're like can i say that and i was like of course you can um so what what what's your favorite book and then of course the book within the book
1: within the book it's the holy bible is my favorite book i should read it more i'll be the first to admit that my favorite book within that book is esther and why i love it is of course i am a women's advocate You know, I'm a lover of Jesus and then I'm a women's advocate. That is who I am. And I love the story of Esther. Here's a woman who didn't even understand the import of why she was in this position, but she held the power to save her entire people, all the Jews. And it took a heck of a lot of courage. And the neatest thing also about the book is God is weaved throughout it, even though he's never mentioned the timing of things how everything happened. It's just an amazing book. If you haven't read it in a while, ladies and gentlemen, read it. You're going to see what I'm talking about.
0: Thank you. And and with this, one of the things I do is I put recommendations out on on LinkedIn of people's book recommendations. And I have my sister, uh, Lisa, who's a cancer survivor. She's in one of the earlier episodes. Um, That was her favorite book as well. And so I'm going to make sure I give you both that recommendation for, for recommending the most published book And history. And so um, anyways, thank you for sharing that. And, and uh, I think both of you have an awesome testimony um, ultimately for, for yourselves and, and, and for women as well, who have courage and they're trying to do the right thing and to have be women of faith. So anyways, I appreciate you sharing that. Judy, Judy, where can people learn more about uh, your organization?
1: Absolutely. Uh, I am working on a new site. It is only the beginning, but it is there. Judyweber.co, judyweber.co. And if you go there, uh, and this is really, I only work with ladies, but guys, I guess you can download it if you like. But I have what I call the ultimate scaling guide for proven strategies for exponential growth. So you will see that there. And also, you have an opportunity to book a strategy call with me. Hey, strategy is what it's all about. So if you are a woman of faith who is at six figures or very close to six figures and you have big, big dreams and visions for the future, I would love the opportunity to chat with you. That's free, no pitch, Um, judyweber.co.
0: Judy, thank you so much. It's been, uh, thank you so much for being on the Measure Success podcast.
1: Thank you, Carl. This has been a joy and thank you for this amazing podcast that you've created.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, you've been a very inspirational story and I hope uh, others will appreciate hearing it. And uh, thank you to all our listeners out there. Um, and this holiday uh, series that we have. And, and once again, I encourage you to look at opportunityinternational.org as one of our sponsors uh, to go out to there to look at the amazing things that they are doing. Wishing all of you the very best at measuring your success. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.